It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. Welcome to the pod, the Dolphins pod, Locked On Dolphins, that is here today to talk to you all about compensatory picks and 2020 NFL draft selections as a whole for the Miami Dolphins and how they should spend them. Piggybacking off of Power to the Pod yesterday, our mailbag, had a question, several questions in there asking, What about these middle round, later round targets for the Dolphins? Who are some of those guys? We're going to talk about that today, too. I'm Kyle Krabs, host of Locked On Dolphins. If you're not familiar, uh, recently moved in for Travis Wingfield, who is now doing drive time for the Miami Dolphins organization. Definitely make sure you hit subscribe on that podcast, as well as subscribe to this one, because we got some really fun stuff cooking. Draft season's at a very exciting time. Free agency starts next week. It's going to change what the Dolphins free agent uh, and draft needs look like, what the roster looks like. It's going to be a brand new team again this year. But it's all good things, mainly because of the groundwork that the Miami Dolphins laid throughout the course of the past 12 months. If you are familiar with me and my work, you will know I'm a big draft guy. Primarily, I'm a senior NFL draft analyst at thedraftnetwork.com. And yesterday was like an unexpected Christmas for draft people and Dolphins fans alike because the NFL finally, finally decided that they wanted to release the 2020 compensatory picks. So the NFL typically releases NFL compensatory picks somewhere around the week, the Friday before the NFL Combine starts. And that was not the case this year. It seems as though the collective bargaining agreement negotiations really helped to to push this back. Everything has been backburnered. They've pushed back the franchise tag deadline twice now, trying to give teams and players alike enough time to really sift through this collective bargaining agreement proposal to get it to hopefully get ratified, which we will find out this Saturday, if that is indeed the case. But in the meantime, yesterday, the NFL released the compensatory picks, and the Dolphins, as expected, re- received two compensatory picks for their losses in 2019 free agency. I have not spoken about compensatory picks at length on Locked On Dolphins, but this is as good a time as any to state that if the new collective bargaining agreement does not change or shift the way compensatory picks works, this is the smartest possible way that the Dolphins can continue to build through the draft selectively as this roster matures, bring in impact players, and still cash in and build through the draft. This is what teams like the New England Patriots have done this entire decade. The Patriots 
as a team that's in a winning window have the opportunity to trade for unattractive contracts like Michael Bennett, hypothetically, Trent Brown, the offensive tackle, whether they're older guys over 30, under 30, and underperforming, they will take on contracts and trade a sixth or a seventh round pick to bring that player into their program. With the quality of the coaching that they receive in New England, they then, of course, perform at a higher level than what they had previously been doing at it wherever their previous stops were. And when the Patriots make these trades, they're acquiring players that have one or maybe two years left on their contract. So a one or two year starter that you're getting a higher level of than what somebody else was for a sixth or seventh round pick, it's a no brainer. But then when it comes time to renew that player's contract, you say, nah, no thanks. We're going to trade a sixth round pick for somebody else and you can go sign somewhere else and get what Trent Brown got, which was a record setting contract. And then in turn, the New England Patriots, the following year after they let guys like Trent Brown walk after getting a year or two of starting ability for a sixth-round pick, the compensatory formula, because they lost a record-setting contract in free agency, gives them a third-round pick. So they took a sixth-round pick, hypothetically, turned that into two years, one or two years of starting play for their team in a winning window, and then a future third-round pick. You've upgraded your pick and got play. It's a genius manipulation of the way that the system works, and the Dolphins have not been able to partake in that under this new regime with Chris Greer because this team's life cycle is newborn. We are starting fresh. But as we move on from here, as the Dolphins' roster matures and grows into hopefully a competitor, this is an area the Dolphins get two comp- compensatory picks this year for letting Juwan James walk and sign with the Broncos. Should have been a third-round pick, but he got hurt, believe only played in three games this year. That waters down his, his value and the loss that the Dolphins were perceived to have through whatever the formula is that the league uses. So they get a fourth for him, and they got a seventh-round pick for running back Brandon Bolton. Miami, of course, lost Cameron Wake in free agency. That was a higher money contract, but Miami spent an equivalent value to bring Ryan Fitzpatrick in in free agency. So they didn't get a fifth or sixth for Cameron Wake because they signed Ryan Fitzpatrick, but their net losses still outweighed their net gains in free agency, which is why they received compensatory picks. So as you are the Dolphins, this is an area that would be extremely smart to continue to target Build your roster through this philosophy, and assuming the new collective bargaining agreement doesn't pull the rug out from underneath the teams who operate this way, the Dolphins, based on their connections to the Patriots system and program, are probably going to be a team, based on the emphasis that we've heard them place on draft picks, probably going to be a team that continues to do so in the future. We'll be right back after this brief pause for sponsor identification to get into what the Dolphins have totally at their disposal and how they should use it. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome back here on Locked On Dolphins. And boy, I hope I have enough oxygen to work through all of the Dolphins 2020 NFL draft picks because this team has 14 of them. Just a monstrous amount of draft capital at their disposal, which, listen, at the end of the day, we should be thrilled about. Because getting this much draft capital not only gives the Dolphins a chance to infuse fresh talent to a roster that desperately needs it, but it also gives the Dolphins the chance to manipulate and bend the draft board at their disposal. So if we're being honest, 14 draft selections, which if you're counting at home is a ton. The Dolphins probably will not have 14 drafted rookies that make the roster next year. It's a numbers game with they they have 7 picks, 6 picks inside the first 70 picks. And then they go another 70 picks without another selection. And then the rest of their picks, the other 8 are at 141 and later. Those effectively become lottery tickets, if you will, right? Uh, I like to refer to the middle rounds of the NFL draft as the money rounds. Middle rounds are the money rounds. So your first round, you should be expecting, if you're Chris Greer, to get starting caliber football players on your team every single time. Does it happen? No. The Charles Harris's of the world... They inevitably do happen. It's an unfortunate byproduct of the variability and the hostility and the volatility of talent evaluation. Chris Greer took over as a general manager in 2016, even though he was still working under Mike Tannenbaum. His first-round picks have been Laramie Tunsil, good. Charles Harris, bad. 2018 was Minka Fitzpatrick. Say what you will about Minka and his attitude and how that sucks. He's a good football player. And then 2019, Christian Wilkins, a good football player. So he's had four first-round picks. He's picked three good football players of varying degrees of success. And do not play this game of, well, they could have had so-and-so, or, oh, they should have picked Lamar Jackson. I don't want to hear that. This team was arguably not ready to take on a quarterback, and I don't freaking trust the coaching staff we had in place that he would have made the most of Lamar Jackson anyway. It's call a spade a spade. He picked three out of four good football players with his first-round selections. You should be also looking for starters in round two. But rounds three and four, man, that's a nice sweet spot where if you can do better than league average there, that's where you're going to make your headway. And I think that is the important acknowledgement that we need to make looking at these 14 picks for the Dolphins and understanding what they have at their disposal. There's a big gap. And the big gap is in the money rounds. So the Dolphins have their own first-round pick, which sits at 5. They have Steelers' first-round pick, which sits at 18. It's a part of the Minka Fitzpatrick deal. They have the Texans' first-round pick. That sits at 26. You should be expecting three starters. Even if one busts, you're going to get two impact players. Law of averages. Chris Greer has done well in this capacity. I expect he will continue to do so. Dolphins in the second round have 
their own pick, which comes at 39, and the Saints pick, which comes at 56. 39, especially in this draft class, you should again be expecting a starter. 56, you might get into a developmental type player. You might get into uh, a little bit more of a role player. I don't really care what the details are. You've reached that point where the volatility has started to set in. You're outside the top 50 picks or so, 56. It's still close, so you should still be very optimistic about that selection. They have their own pick in round three. It's the only pick they have in the round, and it sits at 70. So it's still early. It's still inside the top 75 picks. You feel good about that potential. Now, you have to wait until the compensatory pick that the Dolphins just got, which was at 141. So you literally, in a span in which you have six picks, you go that same span and don't pick at all. That is the hollow void. So I want to talk about what the Dolphins have the rest of the way and how they can get into the money rounds more often than where they're sitting right now. Round five, Dolphins have three fifth-round picks. They got their own first-round pick back from the Arizona Cardinals based on the Kenyon-Drake deal. That's a win. They received a fifth-round pick in addition to Aqib Tlaib as a salary dump at the trade deadline. Dolphins also got the Steelers' fifth-round pick as a part of the exotic number of swaps, and Miami gave their fourth-round pick as part of the Fitzpatrick deal. They got a fifth-round back, so they've got the Steelers' fifth-round pick as well. In the sixth round, this team has two picks. They have Dallas Cowboys, courtesy of the Robert Quinn trade, and they have their own. Seventh round, they have a compensatory pick, which is the fourth from last pick in the overall draft. It's like 251. And then they have one of two picks in the seventh round, either their own or the Kansas City Chiefs. This was a conditional pick that was made uh, when the Dolphins traded at the beginning of the season for Danny Isadora, seventh-round conditional pick. Not sure what those conditions are. Don't know exactly which one that is. But that's a grand total of 14 picks that the Dolphins have at their disposal. They go three in the first, two in the second, one in the third at the beginning of the round, one in the fourth at the end of the round, three in the fifth, two in the sixth, two in the seventh. A ton of picks. Ton at their disposal. The question now. Picks in the 6th and 7th round. You got four of them. They don't do us a lot of good. You know, they're, they're lottery tickets, effectively, is what they are. And hey, the more lottery tickets you buy, the better chance you have of winning. So I don't want to downplay those picks because you will strike gold every once in a while. But to assume you're going to strike gold is ambitious and... Not overly realistic. So what I am proposing for the Dolphins is to take some of these picks and parlay them into deals to move up more in the draft. This was a big change that the NFL made several years ago when they finally let teams start to trade compensatory picks. So that was a big win. So Miami, theoretically... If I'm looking at the trade value chart, this is the uh, the rich. This is the Jimmy Johnson, excuse me, Jimmy Johnson trade value chart that was introduced back in the '90s to help evaluate what draft picks are worth. Miami's got three firsts, two seconds, one third. The third round pick at 70 is worth 240 points. To give you some perspective, 
Each of the Dolphins' seventh-round picks is each worth one point. Their two sixth-round picks are worth a combined 27.5 points. It's not a lot of value. Because obviously, once you get later into the draft, the volatility of talent evaluation makes it a very difficult proposition. Miami does have the four and the three fives do hold enough value where Miami can do some damage. So Miami's 141st overall pick, their compensatory pick in the fourth round, is valued at the Jimmy Johnson model at 35.5 points. If they took that pick, 141, and paired it with their last fifth-round pick, which comes, it's marked at 173. I don't know exactly what the official order is. The NFL is supposed to release that today. That's a valuation for them of 54.5 or 56.5 points. 56.5 points takes you from 141 up to 119. So you have almost cut the distance that you have to wait in half between picks in the money rounds. Miami could theoretically pair a four or five and a six and go from 141 up to about 104 through 108, so very end of the third round. They could theoretically reproduce another third-round pick or an early fourth-round pick instead of a late fourth-round pick. And then they would still have three ones, two twos, potentially two threes, multiple fives, a six and two sevens. So you could start to see where the math is going to give the Dolphins the flexibility where they can fill this void if they want to. And it's very smart, in my opinion, to say to hell with some of these late picks. I don't need 162, 173, 185, and 197 when I feel like in a deep draft class, I could be pulling guys at 110 that in an average class are going at 80 in the middle of the third round, which you still have a reasonable chance of getting a potential starter or a developmental starter. This class is that good, and that's how the Dolphins should have the mentality coming in. If you want to trade up, trade up late in the draft, trade back into the money rounds, the third and fourth round. Get more picks there at the expense of your late lottery tickets. Let somebody else roll the dice. You're getting a better proposition of getting a better football player, and I don't need, I don't need sixth, sixth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks running around my roster at training camp. Are they promising? Sure. But Miami has a really good opportunity in a deep class to take advantage of this both ways. And don't be surprised to see the Dolphins do one thing that you're probably not going to want them to do. What is that? Glad you asked. I'll tell you as soon as we take this brief pause for sponsor identification. Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes... It's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse 
with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. I want you to mentally brace yourselves, Dolphins fans, because the team, as we've said on this podcast before, they don't care what you think. They're going to do what they feel is the best course of action to turn this roster around. So do not be surprised if the Dolphins get more ammunition in the money rounds by coming the other way as well. So we've talked about trading up, taking the compensatory pick, a fifth and a sixth, and you can jump to the beginning of the fourth round or the very end of the third round. Make a splash. Come back up for a guy that you really like that you know is not going to be there at 141. Don't be surprised if at some point in the first three rounds of this draft, the Dolphins trade away from a player that you really want them to take. Don't be surprised. Because the team needs to restock the well for the future as well. They've got two ones. They've got two twos. What about the rest of it? Everything else is fairly status quo at this point. So the Dolphins say hypothetically, this team gets on the clock at 39. And there's five players that they really like, they feel really comfortable with. They say, if we walked away with any of these five players, this pick is a win. Start picking up the phone. Hey, Dallas. Hey, L.A. We know you guys are pretty lean, or you, you feel like you're in win-now windows. Maybe the Philadelphia Eagles don't get that speed receiver they're looking for at 21, and they pick 53. And Miami calls them up, says, hey, Philly, we know Jalen Rager from TCU still there. Not sure if you feel like he's going to make it back to you here at 53, but he's on the board at 39. You want to trade up and come get him? Now, we'll move back to, to 53 from 39. You know, we'll take your third-round pick, and we'll take a fourth-round pick next year. And that's, that's how this team can also start to stock the, the deck because they're not going to have the luxury of just dumping talent the way they've done, they did it in 2019. It's not a sustainable model. It's a one-and-done type thing. This mentality has to shift, but this mentality has to shift, and if the Dolphins are going to stay true to their word and build through the draft, that means they're going to have to start building picks for the future courtesy of tradebacks and by courtesy of manipulating the compensatory pick formula that we talked about at the beginning of the show. So those are areas that the Dolphins don't be surprised. Now, would 39 to 53 be a big jump if hypothetically there were just five guys that they liked? Yes, of course. It's, this is just a hypothetical. But I would not take it off the table for Miami to take advantage of either 26 or 39. Move back. Get more day two draft capital. Get some of these third round picks. Listen, the Vegas Raiders, man, that sounds so weird to say. The Vegas Raiders are currently picking... 12, 19, we've talked about this before, 80 and 81. 
and then 91. They are loaded with third-round picks in a draft in which if you got top 100 picks, you're going to be walking away with really good football players. Miami, working the lines, 56. Hey, you know, do you want to move back or do you want to move up? We'll take, uh, we'll take 81, 91, and we'll take next year's three. You can move up to 56. I mean, these are conversations that are going to be had, and, and that pick value that I just mentioned of that hypothetical, 81's worth 185. 91's worth 195, or I'm sorry, 135. So you're talking about 320 points. Miami's 56th pick is worth 350. So the, the, the math there could hypothetically be we'll take two, two threes in a future pick if you want to run up here and get a guy at 56, if you feel like you're in a win window, which the Raiders with John Gruden, and they've been rumored to be interested in some quarterbacks to bring into the picture, Tom Brady, which I'd love to see, get him out of the AFC East. I don't care where he goes. Just be ready because they're probably going to bundle some of these surplus picks they have in the back half of the draft and jump into the money rounds, but they're also probably going to try to take advantage of some of these picks that they have early on and the depth of the class to slide back and get even more picks in the money rounds as well. This is how, based on listening to the Dolphins talk, listening to Chris Greer talk about building sustainable winners. No, he's not talking about being really timid. He's not talking about not spending money. Spend your money smart and build through the draft. And the way you build through the draft is this is your lifeline. This is these assets for you. You can turn into picks via the draft. You can turn into players in player for pick swaps. You can turn these into future picks by trading them into players, which then get released and then be brought back with compensatory picks. So this is a, it's a, a lifestyle. This is a philosophy that the Dolphins, you know, based on their connections with the New England Patriots organization, the team that has done this better than anybody, draft by volume, manipulate the compensatory picks formula as your roster ages, bring in cheap veteran or bring in expensive veterans since you have the cap to deal with it, and then let them walk, sign big deals elsewhere, and you get picks. It's different. It's very different from what the Dolphins have done, but based on the last decade of performance of the Miami Dolphins, is anybody going to sit here and try and tell me that this isn't better than what the Dolphins have done? Because I'd love to hear your case. You can tweet at me at grinding the tape with your case if you'd like to build a case for what the Dolphins have been doing versus what I'm proposing today. Hope to see you on Twitter. Hope to see you back tomorrow here on Locked On Dolphins. I am Kyle Krabs, and I thank you for listening to today's show. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.